Welcome to the Not Just a Pony Ride podcast, presented to you by Hetra University. If you've landed here, you're probably passionate about how horses help people. This podcast is for anyone who helps others experience the benefits of horses or those who have experienced it themselves. If you're in the equine assisted services industry, we're here to help you. If you're here just to learn more, you're in the right place. Welcome to your community of like-minded people where you will hear stories, education, science, and explanations about how what we do is so much more than just a pony ride. And now, from the Hetra campus in Gretna, Nebraska, here's your host, occupational therapist and CTRI, Katie Ott. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I have a new profession on that we haven't had before, speech-language pathology. So we have the pleasure of listening to Terry Hutchinson, who is a speech pathologist in San Juan Capistrano, California. So she has her own private practice called Life Spirit Speech, and she also partners with the Shea Center for Therapeutic Writing there in California as well um, to offer speech language pathology utilizing hippotherapy. So today she's going to tell us a little bit about what types of clients she sees, what activities she really likes, and how she reaches her clients from a speech-language pathologist while on the horse. Enjoy. Thanks for joining me, Terry. Nice to be here. Well, why don't you tell all of our listeners a little bit about you and what your profession is? Okay. Well, my name is Terry Hutchison. I'm a speech-language pathologist. Excuse me. I've been practicing for 20 years, and I have um, a clinical practice called Life Spirit Speech in San Juan Capistrano, and I also partner with JF Shea Center for Therapeutic Writing, and that has is where I have incorporated hippotherapy as a treatment tool in, in my speech and language services. Fantastic. I'm excited to pick your brain a little bit today. Um, from the speech and language side of things. So I am an occupational therapist and at Hetra we have um, OTs and we have physical therapists as well. Um, And we have some speech pathologists that consult with us, but we don't as of right now have any on staff. So I'm excited to get to talk with you a little bit today. Um, So why don't you tell me a little bit about kind of your journey and your early years of finding hippotherapy? Okay. Well, I have been uh, a person who has loved horses since I was a little girl, and my daughter uh, as well loved horses, and we started riding together. Um, She was uh, doing um, the jumping, show jumping, and the barn that we were next to was located next to the Shea Center. So that was kind of special. And I didn't really know about hippotherapy or what it was. And we, my daughter and I were in a summer camp that my friend was holding with horses. And there were typical peers and there were two children in there. One with severe proxy of speech and one child with autism. And we were helping uh, with the, the program, the summer camp. And during that time, I really noted how all of the children worked together with the two other kids that had some difficulties with communication. And the horse was kind of this vehicle where they were all engaged together. And to me, I saw that as a pretty amazing tool for social pragmatic disorders. 
So I started thinking, wow, I'd like to, to see about adding this into my practice. And after I did a little research, I realized that hippotherapy has been around for quite some time. So that's how I started getting involved in it. Um, I did start on my own. I, I purchased a little pony and I had a few horses that my friend had. And I had my first client with autism. He was five years old and just kind of started working with it before I even pursued training. So that was kind of the beginning of it. So now you find yourself um, still in your private practice as well as working in part with the Shea Center. Is that correct? Correct. So I, um, they have a, a medical team and that would consist as well of PT and OT. And then I have partnered with them. I have my clinic located in their center. Um, so all of the speech services go through me and um, I'm so blessed to be able to be part of their facility and, and all of their horses and everything. So I provide the therapy there with the speech. Fantastic. About how many clients are you seeing a week right now? Uh, for me, about 20 with hippotherapy. So do you do primarily treatment by yourself or are you doing some um, co-treating like with OT or PT? Primarily by myself. We do a lot of collaboration between the OTs and PTs. Um, we have we have co-treated before, especially um, occupational therapy and speech has been fabulous. Um, to be honest with you, if we could co-treat more often, I think that would be even more beneficial to our patients. Let's talk a little bit about what the benefits are. So from a speech and language perspective, what are the benefits of seeing people um, mounted in hippotherapy versus in a clinic? Okay, well, there are so many, but one of the things that I find the most effective is when I have those patients in the clinic, and, and many of my patients are children, and they have uh, they have a difficult time focusing with um, their arousal, and they're the one the constant movers, moving about the room, grabbing things, pulling things out, and not really um, playing appropriately or able to focus on speech targets. So when I put them on the horse. I am, I am able to really set their attention through the movement of the horse positively. I mean, occasionally I have kids with some significant behaviors, and usually I can modify the horse's movement by correcting their behavior and gaining more focus. Yes, I think that's a huge piece of what we do from all standpoints, you know, OT included, that having that horse provides just that um, enough input that we can start to see that increase in focus and attention and, and that sort of thing. It's fantastic. What types of diagnoses or what types of um, skills, I guess, are you working with? Oh, so many different. I mean, I have children on the autism spectrum. I have two-year-olds working on um, beginning language development. I've had a few individuals with stroke. Um, so basically anybody that has a need for improving their communication. I have nonverbal communicators that also use AAC devices that we also include um, while they're um, on the horse. So um, 
It's it's pretty incredible. I mean, I keep finding new things to do. Um, and I it doesn't always have to be mounted. We also do unmounted activities too. What's your favorite unmounted activities to do from a speech perspective? Chopping carrots, putting them in a bucket, um, going around and feeding all the, we have 40 horses. So feeding the horses, we talk about, there's just so much language, a lot, a lot, a lot of language. Um, and the kids are just so motivated, motivated and mesmerized by these animals in just so many ways. So I can offer a lot of really rich language opportunities versus being in a clinic and using picture cards and such. Um, it's just very natural. Yeah, the barn is a rich, a language-rich environment, especially when we start to consider all the volunteers that are helping us and, you know, all of the different people and animals and things that we can look at and talk about. Um, it's really, really endless. I have a right. question. So sometimes, uh-huh. for specifically for my kids on the autism spectrum, I wonder about being in the barn and then their regular life at home. And when we're talking about language, there are quite a few different terms, obviously, in what we do that are different than what they would do at home, right? Like we're saying things like walk on, or we're saying things like, you know, trot or whoa, or whatever it is. So from your Mm. perspective as a speech pathologist, is it better to start to work with our participants on um, more commonplace terms like go and stop and fast and slow and that kind of thing? Or what's your perspective on that? Absolutely use more natural, typical terms that they're going to use at home. Um, Yeah, I, I very rarely... I don't even use the term walk on, but it's, it's always go or, you know, I talk about the horse itself, the names or go horse, um, trot is run, go fast, try to use a vocabulary that is more appropriate and suited for their daily life. It comes to using like visuals or using a device um, that some of our writers and, and participants do use what's the best way to keep that accessible? I find that that can be a struggle for me is having that device ready. But when you're on the horse, it's kind of you're holding it and walking. And how do you kind of <laughs> keep keep their speech accessible to them all the time? Oh, that's such a good question. And it's so important because that's their language. You know, if we don't really have it accessible, then they're not able to use it uh, naturally. And, and to to be, you know, if we're holding it down and then they want to say something, they can't. So I have really kind of struggled with that for years. And I have found mounting systems that I have attached it with. If if it's an iPad that has the ability to clip on, I have a little uh, kind of Velcro, sort of a Velcro case that I actually um, attach it to the the um, surcingle and a neck strap um, so that they actually have it and they're accessible. It's accessible. Um, I also use, you know, just your kind of basic choice boards and I can slip that laminated choice board underneath the surcingle. Um, and then they have access to that right in front of them. Yeah, I've seen some like 
um, strips, you know, like language strips and that kind of thing where they can like kind of touch and it looks similar to their device, but um, is a little bit more accessible for them, I think, and for us on the horse. I've seen that done. Yeah, it, it's, it can be a process. I, I've actually keep thinking I'm going to make something and and it's going to be right, but I just haven't been able to put enough time and effort to get it perfect. Yeah, that's the thing with us therapists. I feel like we're always making things and adapting things and turn making things so that they're easier for our patients to use and do. And Right. And also, um, uh, my volunteers are fantastic. And so my volunteers are there to support and help. And my volunteers are definitely there and they do help assist with the device and having the, so the patient has the access for that device too. This episode is sponsored by Stable Moments. Did you know that there are over 400,000 children in the United States foster care system? Most of these children have complex trauma needs, which makes them ideal candidates for equine assisted learning programs. If you serve or want to serve children in foster care, Stable Moments has a plug and play program model utilizing community mentors and equine assisted learning to develop life skills and heal developmental trauma. With their online certification program, you can become certified in this model and start serving kids by next season. What's even better is the program can be funded by Department of Children and Families and the mentors are all volunteers. To learn more, head over to StableMoments.com and check out their free webinar, Healing Trauma with EAL and Mentorship. OT and PT are very um, much concerned with balance and position, and and we're always working on posture and strength and all of these things because that's the body systems that we're working with. And speech obviously does too because body, posture, position, all of that matters for speech generation and, and that type of thing. So my question is, do you have any advice for speech therapists that maybe aren't as hip in the equine side of things and so might have to start learning some of these body systems and posture and position and how do we influence the horse and the rider and all of that on top of what they're already doing with speech therapy does that make sense oh yeah i um i have trained quite a few speech pathologists in hippotherapy um and it's tough because that's not really something that we really studied in school. And um, I think one of the best things in a speech with up, up and coming or SLP that wants to get into this, for sure, to, to go through the trainings with um, American Hippotherapy Association and, um, and as well, PATH, <clears throat> excuse me, but being able to really observe and really participate, volunteer at a center, work with speech pathologists, I'm sorry, the PTs, the OTs, watch, spend time with them, learning a lot of those types of things too is really helpful. That's helped me over the years. And I learned a lot when I co-treated as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I think we have, um, always tried to fill the gap is where our speech language pathologists are working with us more in a co-treat type of a situation versus working independently. Um, I think just because that, that, you know, bridging mm-hmm. that, that gap was, has always take, took a little bit longer, but always really obviously worth it for safety and for um, the ideal treatment that we oh, want yes. to do, right? Yes, yes. And, um, 
you know, I, I keep learning too. Been doing this a long time. I still learn. So do you, are you involved with AHA and um, PATH both? Well, I have my certifications in both. I think that both AHH and, and PATH have so much to offer. I mean, definitely PATH. It's funny, I started with, it was actually called NARA when I started um, before it became PATH. Um, when I first did that certification, I was a little frustrated because it was more about writing instruction and I didn't know about American Hippotherapy Association. And so when I found them, it was more geared towards our disciplines, PT, speech, OT. Um, but now both um, entities are just amazing tools and teach us so much and keep us safe and uh, just they're both important. So I just think anybody that's going to do this needs to go and get that certification. I think that I am so um I'm certified as a CTRI and then I'm also an OT. So wearing both of those hats can be tricky, but I do think going through the CTRI process with PATH, even though they are geared more towards, you know, the writing lesson and the adaptive writing side of things really gave me a more holistic approach to my therapy um, practice, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, in, integrating mm -hmm. some of those, you know, writing skills where it's necessary and really teaching a safe, um, a safe, well-rounded lesson. It taught me a lot. It's, it's been an amazing tool for me, to be honest with you. And a lot of, um, I had a, a child on the spectrum, high functioning child who um, also had pretty impulsive attention deficit disorder. And we got him to the point where he was writing and believe it or not, cantering. And I used the horse quite a bit to teach him perspective taking, being aware of about his actions and how it affected the horse and how that transfers to others. So in that case, we did a lot of writing and he really learned what it was that he was doing at that very moment was affecting the horse because the horse does live in that moment. It was a fantastic therapy tool that I used. So I'm really happy that I had those certifications from PATH and being able to do that with the, because so I have my, um, as well, the, the training of the CRTI. Yeah. So that you can work on even those higher level social, you know, type skills and those sort of things are a great. The arena is a great place to learn those things with the partnership of our horse for real. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about maybe some of your favorite activities that you do mounted for different types of learners. Oh, well, let's see. We play a lot. I'm kind of goofy and silly. But having the child on the horse, uh, we do a lot of um, position changes um, as well as uh, position changes work a lot on um, location terms and body awareness and, and talking about what we're doing and where we're, what we're going to do, sequencing as well, but also using a lot of fun toys and balls and things. I, I love playing um, catch. And that's a tool that I use a lot with kids throwing. It's, it's a great tool and bubbles. <laughs> I use a lot of bubbles with, with the horses and my horses are amazing. 
Um, they accept and tolerate bubbles flying all over. Um, so I use all sorts of tools, I mean, all such toys that I would use in the clinic while the kids are mounted. And it just depends on their goals and where we're at with what we're working on. It can be articulation. It can be language. Um, one of the things that I love the most about the horse, too, with my nonverbal communicators is once they're mounted, once they feel that movement, and when we stop, they want more. And it is usually pretty easy for me to get um, that patient somewhere close to either making a gesture independently or modeling a gesture for asking for that go forward movement. Yeah, I would agree that um, sometimes I struggle with joint attention with some of my nonverbal communicators, especially mm -hmm. on the autism spectrum, because um, things that I would do in the clinic, like maybe play play with something that they really like and then wait for them to make that attention with me because they want that object or whatever and they would come to me well now that we're on the horse sometimes I struggle with how they're up quite a bit higher than I and you know how to how to get that joint attention when they're just like, <laughs> loving the horse and <laughs> what's happening below them is not of their concern <laughs> do you have any advice for that oh yes oh yes um that's a big deal. So uh, I love ponies, ponies with good, good quality movement, which is really, really important. You're, you're right on. So unfortunately, the horses can be kind of tall, which is not necessarily always the best when you're trying to achieve joint attention, because it's really easy for them to avoid more. Um, so you can't, I can't always have the, the height that I want with a horse, but I do really work with is the 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 ponies that the you know 13 to 14 hand um horses that can you know i can have that eye contact and that level that is um, more effective of gaining that joint attention sometimes i do um go stand on a the three-step stair um obviously we're not moving but going around the arena and, and we do little stopping um, spots where I climb back up and we do a little activity and then I'm eye to eye face to face with them. I'm so glad you said that because I, <laughs> I started doing that with our little three-step blocks. I was like, I don't know what else to do. And the only um, really good match movement-wise and horse-wise um, for this particular participant I'm thinking of was quite a bit taller. So here I was on my three-step block trying to get that joint attention and I felt kind of silly for a while, but then ended up, it ended up working out okay. So I'm glad you said that. <laughs> right. And you can't, I mean, there are clients that can't be on ponies, but just the size, weight, everything. So I have a few of those too. All right. Well, is there anything else that you would share with any aspiring speech pathologists that want to get into this, this area of practice? Oh my goodness, yes. We need you. We need more speech pathologists that are trained and want to participate using hippotherapy as a treatment tool. It is one of the most amazing tools. It I, I can't imagine doing this job without it. I, I really just can't. It's such a fabulous tool. And we really, really need more SLPs out there 
Um, so I encourage all of the, the people that are interested, at least people that like animals and horses, it's just an amazing tool. I could talk all day long about how, how much there is that the horse offers. But yes, I just, I think, seek it out. Find a center that's would like to have you there and, and train or have you observe or volunteer. You know, you can even start just as a volunteer. It's, it's such a great way to get involved and find out, is this something I want to do? So I encourage that. Asha is recognizing hippotherapy as a treatment tool now. So I think that is helpful that speech pathologists are going to get more involved as well. We just need insurance companies to follow suit. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I always end my podcast kind of with the same question for this season. And this year or this season, season three, the question is, if you could give your young professional self some advice, what would you tell yourself? I would say pick the area of speech pathology that you're best suited for and go for it. And you'll, you know what, you'll be so happy in this career because there's so much that you can do, but just finding the spot, the finding the area that you fit best in. I think that's true for lots of therapists in general. Like there's so much we mm -hmm. can do with OT. There's so much you can do with PT and there's so much you can do with speech, but what, what do you love or what's your niche and, you know, kind of grow, grow towards what makes mm -hmm. you happiest. Yeah, I think that makes us better therapists. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, Terry. I know that um, you've got a lot going on there, but I appreciate you. And I think our listeners will enjoy hearing a little bit about what speech language pathology has to offer. So thank you so much. I appreciate being on your podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode. Until the next one launches, stay connected to our community by joining the Not Just a Pony Ride Facebook group. There, we share exclusive educational content, answer your questions, and review new and exciting developments for the EAS community. Don't forget, if you have suggestions for future episode topics or a lead on a great guest that you think our audience would enjoy, click on the link in the show notes or visit us at hetrauniversity.org. This podcast is presented by Hetra University, an educational arm of the Heartland Equine Therapeutic Writing Academy. Hetra University's mission is to provide high-quality educational offerings to our participants and the EAS community. If you'd like to help us work toward our mission, you can make a donation by visiting us online at hetra.org. Again, I can't thank you all enough for helping Hetra change lives one stride at a time.